Welcome to the Every Nation Taipei podcast. We're here to help you know God, discover your purpose, grow in your relationships, and make a difference in Taipei, Taiwan, and beyond. We hope this message encourages you today. It's good to see you all. Always fun to be together uh, Sunday morning with, with the gang, with the family. Um, you know, church is meant to be family. It's uh, meant to have this uh, connection and relationship. And it's always fun once a week to get together with the family. And then and, uh, also other times you get together with the global family. Um, call that every nation's like a, a global family where we come together. And we're in the midst of a series called On Mission. And uh, we're just talking about why we exist as a church. And we're especially looking at why uh, we exist not only as individually as every nation Taipei, but also as uh, a part of this global family. And so we're kind of going through, uh, for seven weeks, we're going through our uh, church, our movement, Every Nation mission statement uh, that just lays out why we exist as a church. Um, and so let's go through it here. And so this is our, our mission statement as a, uh, a, a church movement. It says, we exist to honor God by establishing Christ-centered, spirit-empowered, socially responsible churches and campus ministries in every nation. Our hope is that after six, seven weeks of going through this, uh, that you'll start to get this inside of us so that we will be a people together on mission with God. Last week, we talked about how we exist to honor God. And what that means, what does that look like? Living a God-honoring life and being a God-honoring church. Um, and then today, we're going to be talking about what it means to be Christ-centered. We're going to talk about how uh, un unpacking that by looking at how Christ is before us, how He's above us, how He's with us, and how He saves us. Uh, and so that's going to be today as we walk through um, being a Christ-centered church together. Would you join with me in a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, we are, are so thankful for Jesus, the foundation of the church. And Father, we do want to be a church that really honors you, that centers our lives and all that we are, all of our activities around Christ, what he's done for us. And we think, Lord God, of, of how in, in the book of Acts, the, the disciples at Antioch were first called Christians because they were such a, a reflection of, of Jesus Christ that people began to just say, you, you, you guys are like little Christians, little Christs. Father, I pray that that would also be um, the reputation that we have, that we act like you, that we think like you, that we speak and that we love like you. And so today as we open up the scriptures and we uh, unpack what it means to be Christ-centered. Our prayer is that you would open the eyes of our hearts and that it wouldn't be just information that comes into our minds, but that, Lord, you would speak to each and every one of our hearts and that we would see Jesus in a new way and that as we see him, we would become more like him and that there would just grow in each of our hearts a hunger and a thirst, a desire to be with Jesus, to be like Jesus, to be obedient to him. So we just consecrate these next few moments to you. We invite your Holy Spirit to come and to speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Well, this morning uh, we're going to be looking at Colossians chapter 1. That's kind of our, our theme scripture, Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 20. Uh, if you brought your paper Bible, you can open that up. 
Uh, if you have your phone to want to read along, you can do that, or they'll be on the screen. Uh, no checking the scores. Uh, well, you can't. Go on. <laughs> Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 20. It says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created, and He's supreme over all creation. For through Him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and the earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through Him and for Him. He existed before anything else, and He holds, he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is His body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So He is the first in everything. For God in all His fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through Him, God reconciled everything to Himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of the blood on the cross. And so we're just going to walk through these verses, through this passage, uh, and, and unpack it in relate, regards to what does it mean to be a Christ-centered church and to live Christ-centered lives. First of all, what does it mean to have Christ before us? As, as we look at, at living a Christ-centered life, it means, first of all, that we have Christ before us. And so Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. And so as we talk about having something before us, that means it's something that we, we look at, something we, we focus on. And, and so our focus is on Christ. We don't just serve a, a God who is a, a mystical power somewhere out in the universe, but we serve a God who, was, who made himself visible to us. Someone who walked earth so that he modeled something that we can look at and, and that we can, we can then imitate in our lives. It says, he existed before anything was created, and he is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things that we can see and the things that we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. So, so God was there before there was anything else. Uh, Jesus was first, not only um, chronologically, at the beginning of the world, creating the, the world, but also in terms of order or, or importance, Christ is before everything else. We put him first. So he existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. So Christ is the one, he's before we were, Christ was. And he's the one who always has the first place in everything that we do. Uh, the Bible uses the word preeminence. He should be preeminent or above all else, above everything else that we do, everything else that we look at, it should be Jesus in our lives. Our first thought when things come into our lives, when we face situations in our lives, our first thought should be Jesus. He should be our, our first call. They have what they call first responders whenever there's a crisis and police and the firemen. And, and so when, when crisis happens, when trouble comes, they're the first ones to go. They're the first ones that we call. And, and for us who are Christians, Jesus is our first responder. He's the one that we should first call when trouble starts to come into our lives, when concern and worry comes to us. That's what the Bible says. When it, whenever we have worry or concern, our first response should be to pray, to call on Jesus. He's got to be the first on our speed dial. <laughs> We don't have speed dial anymore, do we? 
top, you know, of, of our phones. John chapter 1 says this about Jesus. He says, in the beginning, the word, referring to Jesus, already existed. The word was with God and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. So Jesus always has been. Since the beginning of time, since the be before anything was created, Jesus was. So he's always been there. So in terms of time, he was first. But in terms of importance, he was because he's the one who provides life. He's the one from which flows light into our lives. And the darkness can't stop it. The life of Jesus goes on and on and on and cannot be stopped. Uh, there was an interesting article I, I, I read this week. Um, these uh, uh, scientists, they developed this new way of, of reading some signals, what they call FRBs, or, or there's frequent radio signals, that, that radio signal bursts that come through the universe. And they, they come so fast, there's, there, there's these bursts of radio signals that just come in, in, in mere milliseconds. And so only recently, I think 2007, was when they first discovered, they, we've, science is, you know, keeps advancing, and they finally had the ability to... to um, to recognize and receive these free, frequent radio bursts that were that come through, and they've been coming through all of history, but we're only just starting to recognize that they're out there. And it's kind of like Jesus; He's always out there. He's always been here. He's always been communicating to us. But we have to develop the ability to hear His voice. In fact, just recently they 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 received some bursts, and they said they had been traveling through all their the, what they can figure out. For 8 billion years, this radio burst was sent out 8 billion years ago. We don't know from where or how it was generated, but it finally we finally read it here on Earth. So I don't know how long, how old you think the, the universe is, um, but for however long it may have existed, however long all of, uh, all of creation has existed, God has been sending out His love to us. His voice has been going out. In fact, the Bible says that God's voice is what created the universe. And so, you know, as scientists, we think, we're, you know, we can prove with our, our, our science that God doesn't exist. Our science is so slow. It's so small compared to what already exists out there. And they're saying that with the discovery of these uh, FRBs, that uh, because they're so rapid and so numerous, it's common that as they begin to learn how to receive them and how to uh, measure them, it'll start to tell them about the universe and they'll start to discover things that, uh, questions that they've always had about what's out there. Because there's, there's so much that they don't know. They know there's stuff out there. They're, you know, you know what you don't know and, the, and then sometimes you don't know what you don't know. There's things that they know they don't know. We, we know stuff are out there and we have these gaps in our knowledge and they're saying we're, we're hoping this can start filling more and more of our knowledge. Well, as believers, there are many gaps in our knowledge of who God is. He's so far beyond our ability or the abilities of science to comprehend. But as we focus on Jesus, everything we need to know is found in Him. And so that's why the Bible says we want to keep Jesus before us always. We keep our eyes on Him. That, that I love that old song. This is turn your eyes on Jesus. Look full in his face. Because as we focus on him, then everything else fades away and everything that we need, life, the Bible says, is in him. Light is in him. 
I, I love the way that C.S. Lewis says it. You know, I, I don't know that God exists because I see Jesus, but I know that he exists because I can only see everything else through him. He's the one who brings light and gives us really understanding of everything else that is. So Christ before us. And then we look at Christ above us. Colossians chapter 1, verse 18. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all, who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. Christ is the head of the church. At the head, he's at the top. He's above and over us, not only in the heavens above, but at the top of the church. This church exists because God has a purpose and a plan for this church. This church isn't our idea that, hey, let's go make a church and, and then invite God to come help us. But God already, already had a heart here for Taiwan. God had a plan and wants to do a work here. He's actively been at work here. And he's just invited us to join in what he's doing here. And when we do stuff here, it's not us getting together and thinking, well, what do we think would be a good plan? You know, what kind of church should, should, should we make? But it's us coming to Christ and saying, God, what do you want? He's the head of the church. We've had, you know, other pastors uh, in the church. I'm the pastor now. Make no mistake, God, Jesus Christ, is the head of this church. And this church exists for him and for his desires and to reflection of who he is and to carry out his desires we're not here to fill our pockets and do the things that we want or to make ourselves feel better. But we're here to say, God, what do you want to do? And how do you want us to work? And who's on your heart that we can reach out to? What do you want to say to the people around us? What does Taipei, what kind of reflection of you does Taipei need? What kind of reflection of you does my workplace need? He's the head. We're created by him. We're created for him. This church exists for him and for his purposes. In fact, the scripture says he's the one who holds all things together. So not only is, are we existing because of him, not only do we, do we exist for him, but he's the one who sustains us in our existence. So you study physics and, uh, and, and nuclear, how, how atoms hold together. And they talk about the different energies that, that hold atoms together. And, you know, they, they have terminologies for these uh, energies, but they don't understand them. They know there's plus and minus and that there's some kind of, there's a, a, that magnetic attraction between those two. But, they, but scientifically, they don't yet fully understand how uh, atoms and, and molecules all hold together. Because God says, it's me. And someday science will catch up and start to figure out. We know there's, we, we know there's, there's, there's strong energies that, that hold everything together, that make, these, uh, make us and, and make this creation feel solid, even though it's mostly space, empty space, and makes this stand seem like it's at rest, even though we know that molecules and atoms are constantly and in rapid motion. But God holds it all together and he makes it all work. It boggles our mind how God does all of that. It goes beyond what our science can understand. But, but we're getting there little by little as God reveals it to us. But the thing we need to know is he's the one. All of this was created by him 
you and I, everything was created by him. So if you are created, if you exist, then you are created by him. And you were created for him. And he's the one that everything flows towards. In the end, it's all about him. And this is where, honestly, our lives begin to come together. When we put Christ in the right place in our lives. When we remember that he's the head of the church. When we remember that he's our source of life and light. And we start to turn to him rather than trying to always just do things on our own, in our own way, and, and going in that, those struggles. And when we're able to hold it all together, then we get all full of pride. And then, then we got to keep it all together. And then we get all uh, stressed out. And we live this life going back and forth from pride to stressed out to despair. But God really wants us to walk with him in a place of enjoying the life that he created us for walking with him but it's only when we put him first and above all in our and make him the focus of our lives when we talk about christ-centered lives and christ-centered churches it means that christ is the focus in everything that we do we're i was watching a tv show with uh, my wife she likes um these creative shows on tv always an artist so got to be creative in some way and so we're we're watching this uh, hgtv show about um how they remake these homes uh, it's called Battle on the Beach. So they have to remake these beach houses. Uh, and so the episode I watched with her, they were uh, remaking the living room. And so this one team, they, they, they got this fireplace mantle and, and they loved this, how this fireplace looked. And they, they said, oh, that's so beautiful. We're going to make that the, the centerpiece of, of the living room. And so they, they put all the furniture around this, this centerpiece, this fireplace, and kind of the whole living room was focused on this centerpiece, the fireplace. Uh, and then the, the guys, the judges came in and said, hey, that's really nice and that's really cool, but you have this whole beach behind you and sunsets and sunrises. And it's like you're totally ignoring and that's really the main thing. That's why people buy homes on the beach. It's not so that they can sit around the fireplace. It's so that they can see the beach and the ocean and all that God created and the beauty of that. And they said, you, you, you totally missed the greatest asset of this house. And some of us in our lives are kind of like that. We totally miss the biggest asset that we have in our lives is Christ. And if we don't make him the focus of our lives, then we miss the point. And we're trying to attract the attention to us. And, and, and we get frustrated when we don't have the attention that we think we need. And then we're, we're learning all kinds of dances and things to get the attention. And, and, then, and then when we don't get it, then sometimes we just throw that out the window and say, well, then I'm going to just cut myself off from everybody and forget them. And, and our lives, we're just, we have this, these uh, personalities and these attitudes that just go back and forth and are kind of all over the place. And we miss the whole joy of just living with Christ as the center of our lives. And the attraction that that brings when people see Jesus in you, how that attracts people to our lives. And how that's a healthy attraction. And not the kind of weird attractions that we so catch ourselves in. You know, I think people are going to be attracted to me, to me if I have enough money. Or if I look good enough. Or if I have the right clothes or the right job. Or live in the right place. And then we're just twisting ourselves all in and out to try to create the kind of life and the kind of person that we think will attract the attention that we want. When really it's just making Christ the center of our lives. Because the beauty of who he is and who he was 
brings a light that attracts and a life that attracts everyone else to us. That's what it means to be Christ-centered. Christ with us. Colossians chapter 1, let's go, verses 19 and 20 says, For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. So in Christ, we see that Christ is fully God, has the fullness of God in him, but he also then reconciled us to himself. And so in Christ, we connect with God. And so the point of having a Christ-centered life is that Christ is with us. He's not just someone, a, a historical figure or, or a brilliant philosopher that we study. He's actually someone who wants to come and live this life with us, a presence in our lives. I love the way John says it. He says, so the word became human and made his home among us. And he was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Eugene Peterson, in the, in the message, he says, so God, God's word became human and, and, and he moved into our neighborhood. He came into our lives. He moved into the spare bedroom. He made his home with us. Revelation 3 says, God is, is knocking at the door of our hearts and if we'll, we'll open up, He wants to come in and to commune with us, to share life with us. I love the scripture that Bertina shared, how when the disciples were walking with Jesus, you know, He was talking with them and, and, and the things that He was saying were stirring them up and like, wow, you, you know, He was sharing about Himself, how Jesus was in all the Old Testament scriptures. And they're saying, wow, that's, that was stirring me up just seeing the stories about Jesus and what the, the old prophets, what they wrote about him. But then the Bible says that, that when they actually sat down and began to eat and share a meal together, all of a sudden their hearts were open and they realized that that's not just the Jesus of the prophets and the Bibles. This is Jesus sitting with us, the one we've been walking with and talking to. And, and God wants to walk with us, but so, so often we miss Jesus in our lives. And we ignore that voice that speaks to us that we think is just our own thoughts. We ignore the, the, the attitudes and emotions that come to us that are, are from the Lord because we don't recognize Him in our lives, because we, we don't center our lives around Him and focus on Him. But God's desire is to come and to not just live in our neighborhood, but to be a part of our lives, to be, to be with us. And that's why we, when we sit down to eat, we always we pray. Because we want every, every mealtime to be a time of, a, of a opening of our hearts to recognize Jesus amongst us once again, just like those disciples on the road to Emmaus when they sat to pray and when Jesus broke the bread to give thanks. As we give thanks, our prayer is that, that at every meal, breakfast, lunch, and when, when, we, when we bow our heads to bless the food, we would see Jesus. Because I don't know about you, but when I look at my life, I have so many attitudes in me, so many perspectives. I look at some of my relationships and what I think about people, and I think what I think about them is so far from what God thinks about them. I get so stuck, so trapped in my own little offense, my own little jealousies, my own little insecurities. And without Jesus, I'll always be trapped. 
But as I begin to hear his voice, as I begin to see him, as I begin to ask, Lord Jesus, you come into my life and you help to change my perspective. See, living a Christ-centered life means we, we bring Christ into our relationships and into our lives. And we say, you know, what, what would that look like having Jesus? The way that I responded to my classmate or my teacher or my spouse, is that the way Jesus would have responded? What does a Christ-centered response look like? Because when Jesus came, he totally changed our perspective on who God is and what God wants. Read that this next verse, John chapter 1, verse 17, it says, For the law was given through Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. And our picture of God was always before just through the law. Do this, don't do that, do this, don't do that. And we had this dead religion that just caused more division, caused more condemnation, caused more pride in our lives when we keep the law. We get more proud because we're, we feel more righteous than everybody else. And when we don't, we feel more condemned. And we use it to divide and to kill. And say, they didn't keep the law, so they're bad. I didn't keep the law, so I'm bad. Maybe I'm just going to ignore the law. The law was given through Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the unique one, who is himself God, is near to the Father's heart, and he has revealed God to us. That's what Jesus came to do. So when he went to those who were full of leprosy and disease that was the death sentence that no one else would come around. People would not touch them. People would not talk to them. They are outcasts in society. Jesus went out, went to them, laid his hands on them. And rather than getting leprosy, he brought healing to them. and said, this is how the Father wants to walk amongst you. When he forgave the woman caught in adultery, and said, there's no condemnation. That love and mercy that Jesus showed, said, that's the heart of the Father. And so in our lives, when we respond to our boss, our classmates, the person standing in front of us at Starbucks who's taking so long, are we a reflection of Jesus? See, that's what it means to live a Christ-centered life. A Christ-centered life means that we start to emulate Jesus. And it might start by just mimicking him what we read in the scriptures. And that's why we encourage you, you know, if you're new to, to, to Christianity or even if you've been a Christian a long time, you know, to really immerse yourself into the Gospels. Those are the first four books of the, the New Testament in the Bible. And just to read about Jesus, to start to understand who he was and how he acted, to begin to live a Christ-centered life. Jesus is the one, he's, he's above all. All of God's purposes and all of who God is is wrapped up in Him. He's the centerpiece of all of creation. And He should be the centerpiece of your life and mine. That's what it means to build Christ-centered churches. Where our church becomes a reflection of Him because we are a reflection of Him. Not an easy task. But that's why God brings us together is so that we would encourage each other in that. Because if you're anything like me, I fail all the time at being like Jesus. And I need 
my wife to encourage me to say, oh, okay, maybe we could do that a little different, you know. Maybe next time that you try to correct me, you could do it. <laughs> yes, you know, that wasn't like Jesus. But see, that's what the body of Christ is for. That's why we gather together in a church. Not just so that, you know, the preacher can preach one time and a lot of people can hear. It's so that we as a body of Christ can encourage one another and help each other become more like Christ. Because all of us learn a little at a time and we grow a little bit at a time. But the little bit that I learn, I can then share with somebody else. And if we all share our little bits, then more and more, we learn more and more about Christ and become more and more like him. That's why we have our small groups, so that we can get in a place where we can share with each other. I mean, this is, you know, it's fun to all be in one big room, but Christianity was never meant to be a once-a-week lecture. It's meant to be life that we share. And actually, we all have the same Bible and the same Holy Spirit. So God can speak to you just as well as to me. And you'll have things to share that God spoke to you that are, are going to be life-transforming to the people around you. And then all of us can be a, a part of revealing God's heart to each other and revealing God's heart to the world around us as we are Christ-centered. And now just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow Him. See, this walk with God is not just a one-time decision. It's an ongoing learning. Let your roots grow down into Him and let your lives be built up on Him. Then your faith will grow in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. And see, God wants to use our roots to go down into Him, to, to receive from Him. And in that, in that root system is where we begin to draw from Christ. And the Bible says we're, we're to remain rooted in Christ, connected to Him. And, and, and as we grow together as a church, we, we connect with one another. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that comes from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. And see, in, in, our, in our religion and in our walk with God, we, we oftentimes tend to swing to one of two different extremes that take us away from Christ in the center. And one is to just get all caught up with the mystical, the spiritual powers, and, and we just want to feel the power and see the power of God. We want to see dreams, and, and, and we want to see miracles, and, and we get just focused on experiences. The other side is empty philosophies, where it's all about mentally what we learn, and, and the philosophies of life that we understand, and, and things that sound really intelligent and sound really deep. And a lot of times our religion just gets in, into that. Things that sound smart, sound deep, that feel good, that feel spiritual. But God says, make sure you keep it centered on Christ. Centered on Him. Centered on having Him in our lives and being a reflection of who He is. That's what Christianity is. It's us becoming little Christ, walking with Jesus, learning from Jesus speaking what he wants us to speak. And that comes from being rooted into him, connected into him. It says, for in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So you also are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. And just as Christ was this, this mystery of, of being fully God, and fully man, 
and and even today theologians and how does how how is that and how did that work that that christ when he walked this earth was still fully god and yet fully human like you and i and it's the same mystery that you and i how do we as as human beings walk with the god of the universe what does that mean how do we take it beyond just something mental and something just of our own energy and learn to walk in a relationship with the living god what does that look like it's a mystery but it's one that we can experience and walk in in our lives. Guys who are married often say, my wife is a mystery. And yet we walk and we build that relationship. And so there's a lot of things uh, that we are a mystery to us. We don't always, don't, don't always know how it works, but we just go and walk in it, live in it. I don't always know how the chef makes the food, but I enjoy it. And you and I, we can enjoy our relationship with God even though we don't understand it. But it takes staying rooted in Him. This is an interesting forest here, this grove of trees called uh, a Trembling Elm, I think it is. Um, but this is here, what you see here, those, the, the trees that are turning the leaves, that's actually the largest living organism on earth. Because that's actually all one tree all connected but to the same roots, all of the same DNA. And so this tree, it's all actually one tree. They say it's, they estimate it's maybe 12,000 years old by their measurements, 6,000 tons uh, of living matter there. It's starting to die. And so they're concerned because the... Um, Predators, predators in the area have been wiped out, and so now the deer and the other are, are eating them up. But recently, they, they, the scientists have started studying this tree. They want to study it before it disappears, before it dies. It covers 100 hectares, this one tree. And so what they've done is they started listening to the tree. And they, they took little hydrophonic, the type of, of microphones that they use in the ocean to listen to wells and stuff and they they stuck it in a through a hole in the tree down into the roots and they began to listen not knowing what they would find but they started to listen and what they found was all this more sound than than they expected and they found that if someone a uh, hundred feet away would, would knock on a tree even if you couldn't hear the person knocking on the tree uh, above ground through that through the root system you could actually hear the knocking and when it rains, you can hear the rain falling. It sounds like just a, uh, this constant roar of the, 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 the rain falling on, the, on all the leaves throughout this tree. You can hear that through the root system. And so now they're, they're fascinated because as they begin to study sound through the, through the sounds that travel through this root system, they're being able to, to map out how all the roots are intertwined and where, where it's healthy and where the tree is unhealthy. And as you and I, as we stay rooted into Christ and listening into Him, we can begin to understand the body of Christ and even ourselves and to, to start to, as, a, as a, a, a church, function together and share life together. And they're talking about the music that this tree makes. And they started out, it was actually people who were more interested in listening to the sounds and, and the types of sounds that were produced. They were looking more for art than for science. But they're finding that now through the art and through the music and the sound of the tree, there's a science. There's science. 
as we learn to listen to the voice of God, not only in our own quiet times, but through the lives of others, there's a beauty in how God speaks through the body of Christ. Because there's a reason why he's brought us all together and put us in the same body, because we all have something to share and to contribute. But it takes time and focus to listen to what is Christ saying to the church and through the church. That's being Christ-centered. And then taking what we hear here in this place, taking it out. Christ saves us. Colossians chapter 1, verse 20 says, And through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. And so ultimately, that's where the power is that by which we connect with Christ. That's how our lives get connected to Christ. That's how Christ comes and lives inside of us. It's through the work of the cross, through what Jesus did on the cross and how he shed his blood for us. His work on the cross, what Jesus did 2,000 years ago, as we begin to receive the work that Jesus did, and we simply receive it by saying, God, I trust, I believe that what you did has efficacy, has power to forgive sin in my life today. I believe that what you did 2,000 years ago, when you said that you took sin on your body and that you carried my sins, that you experienced my sin, took my sin for me and died the death that I should have died, went to, took the punishment of going to hell for me and then broke the power of hell and sin and death that that power now is available to me and that I can now overcome through the power of the cross and Jesus' death. I now can be set free from a life of sin and from the effects of sin in my life. And I can, instead of being someone who ignores God or rebels against God, I can be one who walks with God. That I can now walk, as the Bible says, as Jesus promised, I can walk with open eyes like those disciples who broke bread with Jesus on the road to Emmaus, I can see Jesus and recognize his presence in my life and know him, not just because I've studied him, but know him because I've met him. That's what faith does. Say, Jesus, I trust you, what you've done, the work you've done on the cross. John chapter 1, verse 10 says, He came into the very world He created, and the world didn't recognize Him. He came to His own people, and even they rejected Him. But to all who believed Him and accepted Him, He gave the right to become children of God. It is so easy to miss Jesus. It is so easy to, 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 to miss when He speaks into our hearts and the times when He visits our lives. It's so easy to miss Him. So when He speaks through the people around us, our brothers, our sisters in our small group, our spouses, our kids. But Jesus is so often speaking to us, but we need to be able to hear his voice, recognize him in our lives, and then take him and show him to others. We were in Cape Town. We had a thing where we got, to, we got lost. And uh, we put the wrong address in our Uber. And, um, so we're trying to get to church. 
So, so we were late starting. And then the first Uber driver who came to get us, we were in two different places. My GPS wasn't working. And so he's over there and I'm over here and I don't know how to tell him to get to me. You know, I'm trying to explain. I even went to a security guard and said, can you explain to an Uber driver where we are and how to get there? So he got in and talked to the guy. And so uh, finally said, okay, he's coming. He's on his way. And so we're watching there for, there for a few more minutes and then he just cancels us. And so we're getting later and later, you know, and, and uh, our friends saved a seat. Some of you know, Izelle, we were going to her, her church. She saved the whole row of seats for us, you know, and so sad, you know, church starts and we're still not there. And then, uh, and so finally, we call another Uber driver and put the address in and, uh, and we go to the wrong one. Instead of number eight Mount Road, uh, we went to number eight Mount Nelson Road. And so it's a whole nother part of the city. And, and so we get out and like, there's no church here. We're just nowhere, you know? And so, and by then, you know, the church is almost done. And, you know, so we're just embarrassed. We're feeling bad. And so we're walking and say, we got to catch, catch an Uber back. And so we're waiting, trying to catch an Uber and a guy walks up, he's kind of scruffy looking, backpack, and he comes up and he says, hey, you know, uh, yeah, can I help you? And I'm like, you know, it's, it's okay. You know, I don't have any cash. It's all right. You know, <laughs> he says, no, 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 I'm not looking for help. I'm looking to help you. <laughs> you know, I'm not looking for money. Uh, I'm like, oh man, I was so embarrassed. <laughs> you know, he just misread, you know, judged the book by its cover. Um, and he said, you know, really, you're, you're in a safe place. You don't have to worry, you know, because he knew we we're kind of like, oh, you know, what's this guy coming up? And so often we treat Jesus like that. This thought I have, I should go talk to that person. So, oh no, that person's not going to like me. And look, at they look kind of scruffy, you know, and avoid them. It's a bad idea. We just, we, we totally miss Jesus speaking into our lives. We totally miss the opportunities that he gives to us when he wants to help us or he wants to make us a blessing to someone else because we're not Christ-centered. We won't be the first ones to miss Jesus. We won't be the last. But let's, let's start making a change in our lives. Love what Isaiah chapter 53, verses 3 through 6 says this. And so interesting, it says this in Isaiah, which is the Old Testament, which is the Bible, actually, that the Jews have. And it's interesting because Isaiah is recognized by the Jews as a great prophet. He's also recognized by the Muslims as a great prophet and by the Christians. And this is something that Isaiah, 700 years before Jesus ever came, he prophesied. And it's interesting because this, this chapter, chapter 53, it's an amazing chapter about Jesus and how he came and died on the cross for us. But if you go to a, a, a Jewish temple, in their, in their normal, normal readings, they actually skip this chapter. They, they read up to chapter 52 and then they go to chapter 54. I'm not sure if that's intentional because this is just so much tells that Jesus is the Messiah. But I can tell you this, that when we see the hatred that's there and the death and the structures that, happen, that are happening in that place, the only, the only solution for the horrific things going on in the Middle East is Jesus. And here Jesus says, he's come to them through the prophets that they recognize and yet they miss him. This is what Isaiah said about Jesus. He says, he was despised and rejected 
He was a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so that we could be whole. He was whipped so that we could be healed. All of us like sheep have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. And yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. We can point our fingers and just say how hor horrific, you know, Hamas is or how horrendous war is. But in the end, the Bible says we ourselves have our, our own sin. And we ourselves have rejected God. And if we want to see change come to the world around us, it's only through Christ. But it starts with us receiving Christ ourselves and allowing him to work in our lives. So the areas where we are God rejectors, the areas where we ignore God, the areas where we totally miss what God is saying and how Jesus wants to work in our lives. Because in the end, what the world needs is not more moral people, you and I. What the world needs is people who know Christ, people who live like Jesus. Because all of our trying to be good just keeps ending up in getting worse and worse and worse. But when Christ comes, it changes everything. And us, you and I meeting Christ, that's the difference maker. That's what changes a Christian hating, persecuting Saul who knew all the scriptures changed him into Paul who was so willing to lay down his life for the other believers that he was going to try to kill before and imprison before all of a sudden his heart was so transformed by an encounter with Christ he became a minister of life rather than a minister of legalism and death he tapped into the unfailing love of Jesus So as we close, would you stand with me? We're just going to take a moment and bow our heads and open our hearts. And let's just look to God. And Father, this morning, we, we don't want to be like so many generations that have missed the Jesus of Isaiah 53. Father, we want to be those whose eyes and hearts are open to know that, Lord, when, when you hung on the cross, it was for us. Father, help us not to just be the kind of moralists that compare ourselves to others and think our goodness is good enough or that by our own efforts, we can be good enough. But God, may we be those that surrender to you and just recognize that all of our goodness could never be enough to cover over our sins, much less the sins of others. 
but that Jesus, you took our sins on you and you paid the suffering for our sins so that we could walk in relationship with you. And Father, help us, teach us what it means to live Christ-centered lives, that in our schools and in our workplaces, in our homes, in our neighborhoods, we would be a reflection of who you are. That in the ways that we re react and respond to people, the ways that we, we interact with them, the ways that we greet people, the ways that we respond when we hear about needs in their lives, Lord, we would be a reflection of you. That in our lives, we would always keep you before us. We'd always keep you above us. We'd always keep you with us. And we would rely on you to save us. And that, Father, as, we've, as we look to you, that we'll see you and with the eyes of our hearts and our lives will be transformed. And that, Lord God, we would walk as light and life in the world around us. That in the same way that you were the Word made flesh, bringing light and life to all, may we also be ministers of life. Because we follow in your footsteps. So Father, forgive us of our sins. We are so thankful for Jesus and the, the blood that he shed on the cross that allows us to be forgiven of our sins. And we say, Lord, forgive us of our sins. And God, set us free. Lord, we know, you know the areas of sin and brokenness that bind us, whether it's offenses we can't get rid of, insecurities that we can't overcome jealousies or pride inside of us that trap us. Break those bondages in our lives. Open our eyes to see you as you truly are so we would love others and live, Lord God, as you intended. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. We pray this message spoke to you and built your faith. For more messages like this, visit our website at everynationtaipei.com. You can also send a prayer request and reach out to us anytime. God bless you. Till next time.